Welcome back to the Athlete Hackers podcast. My name is Chris Trade. And I'm Mark Spellman. Happy to have you back. Uh, today's guest is a gentleman that came into my life a couple years ago, but he is definitely one of the leaders and pioneers in the strength and conditioning profession, Jay DeMeo. Uh, Coach DeMeo, we'll get to you in a couple seconds. Uh, our previous podcast was with the founder, owner of the Parisi Speed School. Huge Bill podcast. Parisi. Huge. My biggest takeaway from that, if you want to be the best at something that you're doing, find the people that have done it and do what they do. Also, yeah. after 30 years in the profession and being very successful as not only an author and a practitioner in the strength and conditioning, athletic performance, youth athletic development profession, he is still looking at ways to improve and get better. So understand that uh, it's an never-ending process of growth, development, and improvement on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. His biggest thing that he's doing right now that he dove into was fascia training, uh, which is completely fascinating and uh, went in line with a lot of things that I did previously, uh, the first play in basketball. Mark, I, I don't know, you, you tell me, but from what I took away from it, he basically said that basketball players or the act of playing basketball is one of the best fascia training modalities you can do because you are constantly changing direction, you're running, you're jumping, and uh, you're doing all of the uh, things that build up the fascia. Uh, also, uh, on the martial arts end, jiu-jitsu and just receiving random resistances from all different types of odd angles is uh, the essence of fascia training. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, but at the same time, there still is uh, something to be said for good old strength training and, and, and moving and moving, uh, moving some iron around to uh, develop the strength and all that good stuff. 100%. And he, we, we got into, you know, how a basketball player could benefit from that type of stuff. And his, you know, daily routine of fascia training is going to be made better if everything's lined up and his body's moving correctly. Yep. So that's, this is a great segue into our guest. <laughs> uh, Jay DeMeo, uh, strength and conditioning coach at the University of Richmond, working uh, with basketball and men and women's swimming, I believe. Uh, basketball and, and men's, women, uh, men's women's tennis now. Oh, okay. Um, but also works with uh, a club swim program in, uh, down in Richmond. Um, came into my life about five years ago um, with uh, a company that he runs called CVASP. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Central Virginia Sports Performance. Um, he puts on a yearly seminar, uh, usually held in the summer. This year it was free VASP, um, which was awesome. I mean, it was incredible for, for anybody that missed that. I, uh, we're going to find out how, how you can get that information. Uh, it's my honor. It's my privilege to have uh, Jay with us today and Coach DeMeo. Thanks give for coming on, Jay. Appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Fired up for this. Give us the rundown. How did Jay DeMeo, <laughs> how did Jay DeMeo get to the University of Richmond? Oh, well, the, shoot, the, the super, super short version is, as we all know, um, 
when your boss leaves, it's time to find another job. So when I was at Indiana State, my director, Kip Hittrick, who's, I can't thank enough for everything he did for me when it came to really um, not so gently surgically removing my head from my ass as a GA to figure out I really didn't know anything I was doing. Uh, but he got offered another job closer to home, you know, with the family and all that, when you can get closer to you and your significant others. Parents, obviously that's important. <clears throat> Excuse me, so we jumped on that, rightfully so. Um, so the other GA and I kind of looking at each other one day, we're like, I don't know if we're gonna have a job. Um, turns out we would have, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. But the I was lucky to intern for a guy named Brian McGovern up at Binghamton, who's still at Binghamton now. So I'm not gonna say when I graduated from college, so I won't super date Gov. Um, but he's been there a hot second, and uh, he called me up and was like, "When you had to call people, when you probably didn't text them, this was back in." the 2000s early so you, you weren't sitting there just sending somebody an iMessage really quick to see what's going on but uh it was like there's a position open at U of R uh do you want it and I said yes and I talked with Darren Thomas and came in for an interview and the rest is history how many years have you are you, are you at Richmond now I started January of 2004 so this will be my 17th school year. Okay, so for those that are in the profession or just starting in the profession, um, this doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, man, I've, I've really been lucky, you know, like, and then I don't know which direction we want to go with this, but I think that a lot of that, you know, I've had four or five different directors who have all really impacted me in, in a multitude of different ways. But, you know, really, I, I've been lucky to, to have been given a chance with the men's basketball program. Um, and I've been allowed to learn. Like, you know, people like to talk about being in these situations for a long time. And it's like, oh, well, it's just because you're so-and-so's guy. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe to a point that that isn't completely wrong. But let's not sit here and say it's always been sunshine and rainbows and I haven't messed up and I haven't like towed that line a little bit, you know, like. <clears throat> yeah, but you know what? So-and-so's guy also means that you've got some kind of rapport relationship with someone that is needed. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's, you know, I, I think probably the more I look back on my tenure here, the more, I'm appreciative of Coach Mooney and, and how much he's allowed me to to learn and really like grow up and you know it really I mean I don't know how else to say it other than evolve with the coaching profession because you know I mean Mark like back in 2004 coaching was different you know oh yeah um, <laughs> so it's like. I, I think that that's probably been where I've been luckiest is having someone that has allowed me to evolve as a person and has, has helped me be a better person to do better for the kids. And I, and I, to let everybody know, uh, Jay and I talked earlier this week. Um, 
he posted something. I really wanted to talk to him about it. And, and it, it really had to deal with the essence of what our strength, what, what our profession is doing and how it's, um, how we're going to grow as a profession. Um, and at the end of two episodes ago, I kind of went on a rant about how Dan Levitard viewed our profession as a bunch of knuckle draggers and headbangers of lockers and eating aluminum cans. And it really upset me. Um, because as somebody that's given over 25 years of my life to this profession to help others get better and improve on a daily basis, um, I think the individuals that are in our profession that are acting like that on the sidelines or um, misrepresenting what we do as a profession, they need to do better, not only for themselves, but for the ones that are coming behind them and the ones that were, were before them. I mean, as, as the saying goes, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, so it's not, if we're trying to, if we're trying, I mean, how many athletic trainers do you see on the sideline holding a coach back? Yeah. Or, 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 or banging their head on something or, you know, I saw one, I saw one where they broke a two by four over their assistants back before a game. I was like, okay, I, I don't know why you have to do that. And if you hit me with a two by four before a game, we're going to probably fight. <laughs> I, I think uh, one of the other important things of that uh, epic grant was not only towards the strength and conditioning crowd, but also to the parents and players coming up that your strength and conditioning coaches and your athletic trainers have a high level of uh, education and experience, you know, which is not represented by what you're saying about, you know, how people are putting it out there about guys breaking two by fours over people's backs, like they're Hacksaw Jim Duggan or something. <laughs> Great um, wrestling reference. I love it. I love it. <laughs> With your guys coming back. Um, oh, gosh, I hope. Yeah. Not good. Um, what? How's that going to look? Like, what, 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 you know, I know it changes on a daily basis. Yeah. Hourly basis. Um, yeah. You know, as we talked, as we talked earlier, you know, you've you've probably put out four or five different, maybe more plans to the guys, um, based on what they were what they were being told by the athletic department or by the governor or by the president, depending on which way we're going with it. Um, what 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 advice would you give the athletes right now that are in this state of limbo? Because I really think. I really think it's a lot of it's going to play off of, you know, and, and we talked about it. How important is athletics right now? You know, how important is it for, yeah. for these kids to come back? Yeah. Um, well, I think the first thing that I would tell these kids is you're not the only one struggling. So if you need anything, reach out, man. Like, like we were like joking about it the other day. I think we talked about it, like why I was going into work out again. Like, like I'm, I, I'm not kidding, Chris. I'm not kidding, man. I sat here. I had a 20 minute conversation with my dog, and I all of a sudden was like, "Wait a minute, she can't talk back." Like I'm like, I gotta get out of my house. Like I can't do this. Like this is not good. Like there's something wrong. Like I gotta go do something. I can't. I mean, I'm 41. Like I can't imagine what I would have been like 18 to 22. You know. Yeah. I think the big thing that I would tell them and you know, training plans and all that aside, because 
it's going to be set up so that things are going to have to be done so remedially. You know, Mark, kind of like what Stephanie was talking about, how everything's going to really need to be back down and basically starting over, right? When, when they come back and there's going to be limitations to what they can do. I, I'd almost rather tell them like, yo, like these, these boxes that we have to go through and we have to tick to move forward. We have to remember too that like you start over if you get it. So I realize you're only with us two or three or four hours a day, maybe like if we're outside, like literally sitting outside and just talking for a couple hours, just there's human interaction. But the scary part right now is that people are allegedly people are coming back healthy, but then doing other things outside of practice or whatever and bringing it back after they've been to campus. So it's like in shape, all that stuff, you know, like that's great. Even more so, it's really going to be an exercise in your patience and your ability to take a few weeks and just kind of deal with it. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun right away. Um, but if we do things the right way, it will be eventually. Is there anything coming down from like the NCAA in terms of, you know, what the structure is going to be in terms of like the bot, the check boxes that you talked about, or, you know, even if things don't go forward, like what are they going to do for the players uh, for like, redshirting purposes, I guess, for lack of a better term, if they're, they're not able to play this year. Yeah, see, I don't – I wasn't too involved in many of the committees, so I'm kind of coming in at the back end of it, uh, which is probably the best for everybody involved, if we're going to be completely honest. <laughs> um, but the, I think that last part's the hardest part, right, especially when you're looking at a team like what we have, where we have a group of guys who are – we're starting three fifth-year seniors. We're starting two seniors. You know, we're, we're starting three guys with two with legitimate NBA aspirations, one who's going to get some looks. Um, you know, and a team that really was, I mean, they, you know, these guys were cooking at the end of the year. Like they were, they were, they were playing so well. And, you know, they had that. Now hindsight being 2020 rightfully taken away from them. I mean, at the moment it was just crushing. It, it's still gotta be crushing. I mean, no matter how you look at it, I mean, I, we all know the situation about, but you're, you're, you're going full steam ahead and you just had the rug ripped right out from underneath you. Well, and we're talking about a group of young men who had two 20-plus lost seasons back-to-back. And last March, there was a billboard up for all of us to get fired. Hmm. To go from that to on the verge of the top 25, you know, hopefully in the NCAA tournament, you know, um, playing our best ball, really, like, playing our best, like I was playing. They were playing their best ball. <laughs> you were there in spirit yeah. with them. Yeah, I, I was giving my best high fives of the season, you know, or whatever I was doing at that point. I don't know. But, yeah, like, and, and you know, man, like, 
people come on and they talk about all this stuff all the time. Like they're, they're just a special group of dudes. Like, you know, they're really active in all the, the things that are going on socially right now. And, you know, we had them on my show. I had three of my guys on the show that we talked about all this stuff and, and, you know, what the movement means and, you know, black lives matter and what coaches should be doing and how we can be better and all of those things. Like, like they're just a really, really special group of dudes that, and it's a really, really unique, like, I hate the word, but culture that we have, because it's like, I, I, there's no problem with me putting a show out where my point guard tells me, no, you were, what you did was wrong. Like you, you need to act in a different way. Wow. Okay, fine. Like, People want to talk about those things when you're talking with these kids as hard conversations. Like, yeah, dude, I was petrified going into it, but it's like, dude, at the end of the day, it was, it was Nick, Nathan, and Jacob. And it's like, those are my guys. Like, I love them. Like, it's not a hard conversation once you start talking. It's a, we want to be better for each other. You know, they, they're so involved in the training process and all that, you know, like, why wouldn't you listen to them on these things? So it's, kind of started chasing a rabbit there that has nothing to do with college basketball, but everything <laughs> to do with the rest of the world right now. But it's, um, it, it's unique, man. Like we, we had guys that we were just building routines. I had two guys, one, one kid who's just a knockdown shooter. One kid who's really got the opportunity to be a special player, a freshman kid. We're like, we need to lift more. Okay. What do you want to do? We need to do upper body stuff. Just, you know, if you've ever been around basketball, like it, it's like, you know, some people would say that's like sacrilegious, right? You need to do extra upper body lifting. Like, okay, why? And they gave me a reason. I'm like, okay, so we'll do that two extra lifts a day or two extra lifts a week. Like, who cares? Some guys wanted to do extra stretching stuff. Some guys, fitness was an issue when they would get into the game. It's like, well, you realize it's because you never play. Like, <laughs> I, mean, like I hate to say it like that. And they're like, well, yeah, but if I do some bike intervals, I think it'll help. Okay. They're like, we just me sitting there listening to these kids and we just build routines. And it's like, it was really like super cool to, to be around when, you know, when, when they actually understood the principles about what we were trying to do and what was important and how we can move forward. And it's like how they individually utilize those principles and, and to develop these things that are really, especially when they never until now get time off. I mean, really it's just about developing habits and better routines so that they feel like they're in a better place and they can have better outputs and, and do all those things. I think, I think when you and I talked uh, on your show, uh, I think we brought up the, the, the question, what's going to happen when these kids come back better? Because it is the first time in years that these kids have had off. And I mean, forced off. I mean, yes, I mean, there is going to be some detraining issues that you're going to run into, but at the same time, like when we talked last week, you told me it takes eight weeks, eight weeks to get them ready for the season, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that's what everybody needs to understand. First and foremost, everybody's starting out at, at, at the same, at the same point, you know, this is the first time that the university of Richmond and the university of Kentucky are at the same point. Now you, you both have different bullets in the gun. But at the same point, you're you're starting on an even playing field. Um, so I hopefully we're still on an even playing field when we play in this winter too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you got a hopefully you got a leg up on them. Uh, um, we'll see. They're they're super talented. I mean, we'll see. And, That'll be fun though. Oh yeah, I would I would assume you're going to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, we could. You know, it's really funny you say that, Mark. I, we just couldn't get Cal Perry to uh, agree to come play a true road game at Richmond. You know, <laughs> you didn't want to do a home and home. <laughs> I guess not. Um, but I, I think you know a lot of the things that you just said, and I and I think a lot of coaches need to understand. You know, and we and we've talked about it a lot. You got to meet these kids where they're at. And and you have to have these conversations with them. You know, when I was when I was at Fairfield University, I, you know, I'd always get the kids. Why do I have to do that? Well, here's the reason we're doing it. You know, you're playing a sport, basketball. You have no pads on, but you're going to be running into people that are your size or bigger. And the forces that you're generating um, when you land and when you run into people are huge. So if we can build up your if we can build up your strength, get you a little stronger, get you a little fitter, hopefully get you a little faster, you're going to be able to play at a higher level. You know, I don't – once again, I've never, I've never grabbed the board from any of the coaches and told them what play we're running on an out-of-bounds play. <laughs> no. No. I don't think anyone realizes, unless you've played basketball or been around it, how actually physical, physically demanding it is. Mm-hmm. Not oh, just, yeah. I mean, not just from, from guys banging, but just the rigors on your body from moving and jumping, and it, de- it destroyed my body. I know that from personal experience. But from the outside, everyone, you know, thinking, oh, football, football, basketball players, oh, they're not, they're not physical. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, and then you just look at it, too, like, we're kind of getting this reputation, you could say, as, as- – having success with smaller guards you know and and these guys you know jacob is going to be one of the front runners for atlantic 10 player of the year and he logs a lot of minutes and you know does a lot for us he led the country in steals last year he really is a sensational facilitator so you look at a, a person like that and it's like Does he, does he have to squat, double his body weight? Like, I don't know, maybe. If he turns around and he says, I don't feel really comfortable doing that, is that the sword I'm going to lie on? No way. You know, like, I think that that's a big part of it too, right? And, and Mark, we've talked about this, like, yeah, each of these exercises provides a unique adaptation, you know, due to the unique stimulus and specific adaptation to opposed demands, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I always get confused. Is it impo- imposed demand or increased demands? The I always gets me. I mean, it could be both, right? <laughs> uh, because although it would be S-A-D-D, which I think is – taken already like to decrease demands that you would adapt to that as well right like that's what we're talking about now but like if he says i'd rather trap our deadlift than put a bar on his back or his front or what like all right dude like let's just and, and i think that you know cam said this um you know like mike chapman talks about this 
at the end of the day, like who cares what it is? Just get like savagely good at it. Yep. You know, like if, if there's things that are important and you and the student athlete can sit down and discuss why they are important to them, to them, not to you. Cause like, who cares like what it is like, right. It, the end of the day, whatever they think is probably going to lead the direction anyway, right? If they think it's going to work or not. So just get freaking awesome at it, dude. Like, that's it. Like, and for people that like to say like, oh, well, that's easy for you. You know, you've just got, uh, you've just got 16 guys, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's easy for you to do that. Dude, I did that with, uh, I do that with 36 kids in the room a room probably the size of my kitchen uh, with our swim club. It, like, it's not hard. Just listen. Like, and it's not like you have to sit here and have all of these precise breakdowns of these exercises and whatnot. Cause believe it or not, like most of these kids are pretty freaking smart. Like they understand like, yo, so when I squat, it doesn't feel right. Okay. Well, let's watch it. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe there's not, maybe we just find a different exercise. Why, why, are, why are we so set on putting our gloves up to start fighting over an exercise that, like, at the end of the day, might help them play better? So, Jay, it sounds like you've got uh, kind of like a pretty open idea about your prescriptions of, of exercise. You're, you're listening to your kids. You're seeing how they feel. And like Mark says, you know, four times four is 16 or, you know, the square root of 16 is four. However you get there, the answer is four. You're just going to kind of see where they're at. And if you need to increase hip or glute strength, you've got a number of different uh, ways to go about doing that. With that being said, do you think that a kid coming in who has a better idea of strength and conditioning in the human body uh, is easier to teach than someone who does not. God, this is going to be so cowardly. It depends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sort of. Um, it depends on the kid, more, more or less. I, I, Chris, this is my big thing. As long as these people can understand, like, I talked about this on one of my Monday rants, you know, when I was talking about the guys with the upper body uh, routines. Please keep putting those out, though. They make my Monday. Oh, you, I'll, I'll keep trying. I'm starting, <laughs> starting to run out of ideas. Um, well, ideas I can put on the internet. Um, but it's, um, <laughs> but it's, it's as long as they understand, right? Like, we did X yesterday. Can we at least do X, if not X plus one, tomorrow? We do X three or four times in a row. Something's not working. We need to change something. Like, that's it. Like, for the most part, I don't think athletes, when we get them in college, I mean, Natalia Verkashevsky would quantify all of them as middle-level athletes. So we like to talk about these really crazy, intense type modeling systems and training programs where we can do all these things, but it's like, if you're going to have them for four years, 
you know, you got a long time to cook that cake. If you start throwing it in there and it's too hot too quick, you burn the cake. Like there's nothing else you can do. You know, I don't care how good the frosting is. So that's really what it comes down to is as long as they understand that and they show that they actually understand that they don't just regurgitate what you've told them because I also think too, there's a lot of, I don't even want to get into the education system and testing and all that, but it's, <laughs> they've been programmed to, this is the answer. This is the answer. Like instead of understanding, um, <clears throat> when they when they figure that out and when they really get it like then then they get it and it's okay so like you don't see why that's working and you don't see why that would progress and help you then let's just get rid of it now most of them look at the big important exercises important in air quotes um and they're like well yeah i mean obviously we need to do that like i might not like it but i know i'm supposed to do that um like Keenan called it kale, right? Like nobody likes to eat kale, but like, you know, you're supposed to eat it. So you eat it. So they just, when they understand that, then it's easy. So coming all the way back around, it depends a lot on how they were taught and who taught them. Um, I think a lot of times people get all bogged down and like, oh, well, they didn't back squat or, oh, they only trap bar deadlifted or, Oh, you know, it's like a stomp clean versus a real clean or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Like, I, I really don't care. Like we can figure, we can show you how to put your body in better positions. That's not that hard. Right. Comma. Unless they're putting themselves in some sort of physical, like trauma inducing situation. Maybe those things that you don't typically do that they do do are what made them recruitable. Mm. You know, maybe you need to take a step back and go, well, why does this work? You know, like Kevin seems to be getting a lot. He seems to be a pretty good athlete. Is he a good athlete because he did this or he did this because he's a good athlete, you know, and, and maybe take a step back and listen and watch. Like when, when the guys, that I get, if they have someone that they're working with at home, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that send programs home and everything. Like, uh, I don't. Like, it's like, you know what you got, you know what you're doing, you know what the what we need to be able to do. You talk about relationships and all this and that and the third, but you don't trust the kids when they go home. What kind of a relationship is that? You know, like, I, I mean, like, I text my guys, call my guys every week, every other week. Like, I don't need to bug them. Like, yo, man, you're, listen, we're either going to be ready or we're not. And what we're going to do is we're going to plan for you to not be ready. I mean, like, that's it. Because at the end of the day, right, it doesn't matter if nine out of the ten guys are ready, how we, you know, for the program. It matters that the one guy isn't. Because the right. one guy that wasn't is where the issues arise, you know? So we can't train all 10 of them like they're all following and doing everything and everyone's on the same page because what about this guy? And I think that that right now, 
especially in this situation, right, coming all the way back to how we're going to handle them when they come back from pandemic is you just have to assume that there's at least one of them. So you got to go all the way back because right now they haven't been around each other in like, since literally we got off the plane coming back from Brooklyn. Like that's it. Like the last time they saw each other, their redemption season was taken from them. We need them to be together. Like they need to be together. I need to be with all of them. Like selfishly, I need to, the guys back. I, I just told you I was having a twenty-minute conversation with my freaking dog. Like and, I and need these guys back. No, no feedback from your dog whatsoever. No, no. no. You, you know, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what. That's the stuff you can't put on the internet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's something about Long Island in the '80s, dog talking. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that alone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah uh, kids, Google that. Uh, but anyway, it's um, yeah. It, but it's. So coming back around to uh, just kind of the original question about upcoming kids and maybe their parents, it's not necessarily someone who could just, like you said, regurgitate talking points. You want someone with an open mind that's willing to kind of be patient and understand that it's a progressive uh, uh, timeline in terms of becoming stronger, learning what you've got to give them. Um, but I've obviously also on, on top of that, you've got to have a dynamic strength coach that can read the kids and understand where they're at. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that one, they have to understand that we have a long time, right? Like the hit long thing, season. It's a long a career too, right? Like a lot of people like to talk about their look at the first 16 months these kids were on campus and these massive gains they made. And it's like, bro, D-Hall does a lot. Like, you know, like all you can eat, whatever you can eat does a lot. Like, let's not, <laughs> let's not puff our chests up too much about that. Right. Like it's cool. It's great. It's recruiting, blah, 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 all that stuff. Comma. Are you still getting better when you're a junior? Are you still getting better when you get into your senior year? Like, we can sit here and bury you for 12 weeks and put on, you know, 12, 15 pounds and, you know, make you look like an Adonis. Like, that's great. Who cares in three years if you're still doing the same stuff? Right. So the first thing, again, it's got to be applicable too. it's got to win games. Yeah, right. Right. Like, you know, no one cares if you look sensational and you can't make a layup. No offense, like I love the guys. I don't even care if you look great and you can't make a layup. Like, like who cares? Like you, we have one of those. It's me. We have a second one. It's our sports med guy. We don't need a third. Like that's it. Like we don't need anybody else. That's why we sit at the end of the bench, right? Because we're not going in the game. Like we don't need more people like that. We need people that want to. And I think this is the other thing too. And, and Mark, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Oh God. As long as we've been coaching, I think there has been a misnomer where people call compliance mental toughness. Meaning coach Spellman says, Jay, do this, do that, do the other thing. And I go, yes, sir. Whereas now kids are kind of like, well, but, and then they're like, no, cause you're soft. You don't want to do it. As opposed to being like, 
maybe they actually want to contribute and they don't understand, you know, like looking back at it, if I could rewind back to like 2008, nine, 10, when I was more of a blockhead, like there were times where like, you know, you would go off because people did that instead of looking at it as what it really was. And that was a learning situation to be like, maybe I'm not right. And maybe this kid does know better. And maybe because they're asking these questions, they aren't soft. I don't know. I would, I would, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's been some times definitely that I would look back and would definitely change. I mean, and, and I think probably and for any of the women's soccer players that are listening to this, I'm going to tell you right now, the way we treated you the first day you were on campus was not the way we should have treated you. I mean, um, because we did a ridiculous test. And, um, you know, first and foremost, I apologize to you, but, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I look back on it now and it's like, you know, it's a sport as, as you, as you were a soccer player, Jay. Um, Once. Gotta, There's no way I can play right now, but I appreciate <laughs> that. But, but, but it's a sport. You got to be able to move for 90 minutes and you got to be able to, you got to be able to accelerate. You got to be able to decelerate. I mean, I think what an average, an average soccer player runs anywhere between, I mean, it's going to be a big, big gap between four to eight miles in a game, depending on your position. Um, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of load. It's a lot of load in a game. And you see these, uh, you know, you see the Premier League coming back and the professional leagues coming back. And, you know, hopefully they're going to do what's uh, best for the athlete as far mm -hmm. as monitoring it. But getting back to um, mental toughness, I think the big thing with mental toughness is being consistent and, and doing, doing, doing the things that you have to and get to do on a daily basis so you can be better every day. Um, and a lot of those things are things that you might not want to do, but at the end of the day, they're the things that are going to help you be better at whatever sport you're playing and going to help you um, after you're done playing sports. I mean, I, I, I'm going to speak for myself. I mean, the biggest reward I have with the athletes that I worked with is seeing what kind of husbands and fathers and mothers and wives that they are currently and, and how they're uh, raising their children and how they're being successful in whatever profession that they're doing. Um, and to get the call or the text, you know, coach, I didn't realize what you were doing for four years, but I want to thank you now. <laughs> you know, and to tell an 18 to 22 year old, you know, you might not be getting it now, but in five years, I'll hear from you. And, and, and you're going to remember these, you're going to remember these times mm -hmm. and they're going to help you. They're going to help you down the road. Um, no you know, and, and, and I think for, you know, in our profession right now, we have a lot of people putting out a lot of information and a lot of sharing, um, which is awesome. Um, because I think, uh, Jay, you can remember the time where, you know, if you if you were an Olympic lift guy or a high-intensity guy or a power lift guy or a west side guy or girl, um, you wouldn't talk to the other person. No. <laughs> or, or even worse, you would tell them, you would say how wrong they are, what they're doing with their athletes. 
Um, you know, I think we joked about it. You know, we're going to argue about what's the best way to recover. We're going to put our hands on our knees or our hands on our head. Yeah. Who cares? You know, <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're arguing, we're going to argue, um, you know, and, and, and because we are a science-based profession, you know, if you show me a study, I'll show you, I'll show you another study that counteracts whatever that study says, mm-hmm. you know, but there are some, there are some basic principles in our, in our profession that we all follow. And at the end of the day, we're all trying to do what's best for our athletes and what, and what coach DeMeo does at Richmond isn't going to probably work for what Coach Roos does at VCU. I mean, it might, it might not. I mean, it might not, it might, it may or may not work for MJ at Butler. I mean, but, you know, I think as a profession, I think we're getting, hopefully we're getting better at having an open and honest dialogue with the the people and the practitioners in the profession so we can be better as individuals, so we can be better for the people that we work with. And here's, here's the kicker to this, and serve. Because we are in a service industry. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And I think that, again, it kind of comes all the way back to how willing are you to listen to the athletes, you know? Just because there's some new hot recipe out there doesn't mean you got to throw it in the chili, right? Like, I love ice cream, right? I like pizza, but you put ice cream on pizza and it's just going to melt, right? It's just going to be gross. Like, why would you want to do that? Speak for yourself. <laughs> Fine. Um, but <laughs> but no, it's, it's just like, why – if there, I think we do this a lot, Mark. And I know that we did this, especially I did this as a younger coach. Like finding exercises, finding new exercises to do different ways. And like some glorious thing that's going to fix some problem that may or may not be there. Like if it ain't broke, why are you fixing it? One. And if there isn't a problem and the kids are dialed in and bought in, what are you changing? If there are questions, concerns, comments, why have you waited this long? Like, what are you, you know, like, like I, that's part of the conversation I have with a lot of the guys. It's like, dude, like, how long have you thought this? Oh, a couple of weeks. Well, bro, I, what, 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 like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? Like, why, oh, dude. Like, what, more, what more do I got to do for you? Like, we're at lunch together, we can talk about it. We're here together, we can talk about it. We're stretching, we can talk about it. Like, like let's make sure we're doing the best every day, like, that we can. You know, and I think that at times, though, these, these kids might think that you're, you'll be insulted and all of that. But, like, I guess, again, that would just be a question of why would they think that? Like, how are we coming off that we would look like we would be insulted if they had a question about things, right? Like, do you think, do you think maybe part of the problem is because we do have the, the title as coach behind us and they've never really questioned like their sport coach or they don't have that relationship with their, with their, with their sport coach. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love the relationship that you have with your players and your open and honest candor discussions that you have with them. And I think a lot of coaches need to have it. But I think I think where 
maybe the players get reluctant is that they've never had that ability to have that discussion with their, with their, with their uh, sport coach. You know. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I also think too that again, like going back to what you said, like this situation might not work, right? Like, you know, you, you brought up Dan, I good buddy, like right around the corner from here, like he may not be able to do that with his guys there yet because he just came back, right? Like this isn't something that was built like on a Tuesday and it was like, oh, look, everything's happy, right? It, it took some time. It took, it took some growing from me, that's for sure. Um, but it took some time. And then I think we're at the position we're at now because these fourth-year and, and four, uh, fifth-year guys – are way more open to it and are they see me talking with them and how that impacts things and then i go to the younger guys and they're more open to it because yeah there's there's definitely i can see where you're coming from there there's definitely some i don't like the word there's some intimidation i'm sure uh, in that situation because for so long it has just been right like is it Tony Holler that talks about how really where coaching has kind of made this left turn is people came back from like World War One or World War Two and they brought all the military stuff into sport and but there has been that right like that's not fabricated like that that is legitimate like that's really what the, these cultures word um, these cultures have been built upon right it's like stay in line this, then this, then this, then this. And now it's just kind of like, all right, Mark, what do we got to do to make sure Mark's the best Mark? Because if Mark's the best Mark, we're going to be better. Okay, cool. Go. Chris, same question. Okay, go. Like, like you know, I, I've been pigeonholed as, you know, you go and you're talking, you're talking like cleans versus box squats and depth jumps. Like, I've been pigeonholed as, like, a, a monitoring Omega Wave guy or whatever. Like, there's not a piece of technology on the planet that can tell you exactly what a kid needs, when they need it, and how they need it. So, I, I, got, I got a question for both of you. I, <laughs> I, I like where this is going, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Because I'm thinking back to my experience, and, you know, yeah, you know, we all grew up in that time where your coach was the coach and, you know, there was a definite line and, and he fell into it. <clears throat> Do kids learn the respect that we were taught at that age because of that for elders from this new dynamic way of teaching kids just by being, having that human element or there's, does there got to be that line for young kids to, to learn that? You know, I, I, think, I think both are important. You know, what, what you guys are saying, being able to be more interactive and have that dialogue is incredibly important. But so is kids learning that discipline and that line of respect for, for their coaches as, as they're coming up when they don't know anything. Um. A lot of the respect, I, I think, starts at home with mom and dad. Um, you know, I, 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 I have three children. 
they know they know right from wrong they know they know the expectations that are in the household um just like i did when i was growing up um so they know when they get when they get with a coach they know that you know it's a position of respect um but at the same time if if it becomes a a, a place where the coach is being abusive um or or stepping over lines they know that they can have an open and honest dialogue with mom and dad and uh you know we we uh, all three of my children well at least the two older ones they've they've had to have talks with their uh actually all three have had 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 talks with teachers because they've had issues with their teachers and mom and dad didn't get involved they're like this is your problem um so let's see how you can handle it this is how we want you to go about it and you know we empowered them to have that to have that say in what was going on in their life um so i think that's really important but at the same time you know it's it's a you have to build a relationship you have to build the relationship with the athlete and the athlete has to understand that you know i'm here trying to help you you know i, I want to do what's best for you um without you taking advantage of that you know i i i you know, I, I think Jay, Jay hit on it. I mean, his, his upperclassmen have a real say in what they do on a daily basis. And then the freshmen and the, the, younger, the younger players see that relationship and they understand that, you know, Jay's here to help us. You know, we're not, we're not going to get out of something. We're still going to work hard. You know, we're, we're still going to get after it, but there's multiple ways to do stuff. So if, 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 you know, if you think doing a rear foot elevate split squats better than doing walking lunges, okay, talk to me about it, and, and we'll go from there. That doesn't mean we're not going to do the other thing. It just means that you know we're gonna we're gonna probably incorporate stuff that you believe that's going to help you um, more. That we'll, we'll we'll program that and put in it more. I really don't even know if I answered the question. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I I think you did for sure. Hundred percent, and I think too, just to piggyback it, so like there, are, there are unique relationships that you get the opportunity to build with kids. Um, an example: Friday, I've got a young lady who swims for the swim club, who is one of the best in the country. Like she's been on two or three junior national teams. Like she, she can go. Um, and she gives me the business, like there's no holding back. Like I was whining about something the other day and she threw a couple names out there and I'm like, I can't wait till next year when you go to college and I get the call and she's like, Oh, I, I would never do that. I'm like, what do you mean you would never, first of all, one of the guys was like, first of all, over under three weeks before she does it. And I'm like, now really why? I'm like first under. Um, but why don't, why wouldn't you do that? She's like, well, because I'm afraid of him. Like I've met him. I'm afraid of him. Like we get along really good. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid of you. And it's just like, there's part of me that is like, good. Like you shouldn't be afraid of me. Like we should be able to joke with each other. Like, and I say that about our guys. Like there's no one that is safe when you are at lunch. No one. If you do something and there can be a joke made about it, be ready. And don't be ready today, tomorrow, 
be ready for like the next three weeks, but you're going <laughs> to hear it. Like it doesn't matter. And it's, who was it? There was somebody that I just had on the show very recently. Uh, it might've been Joel Reinhardt on an outside the rack that said, I take what we do very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously at all. And it's taken me longer than a lot of these kids are alive to try to figure that out. Um, but I'm starting to get better at it. So it's kind of removing your own e ego and trying to creatively apply your science and discipline. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Here's what has to happen. We have to elicit an adaptation so that they can perform at a higher level. If they come in one day and they're beat up because Friday, for example, right? They all came in and the first thing in the warm up was like, all right, let's just get moving a little bit. Just 20 squats, get yourself some depth, get yourself moving, feel it out. One of my college kids who never complains, I hear the first rep, he goes, like, okay, like, there's a tell, right? Like, <laughs> um, maybe we need to change the program because what, what is this exercise protocol that we're going to do, do anything other than just bury them for Monday too, probably, right? Like, today should never ruin tomorrow. And like, it, it shouldn't, especially in a team sport, right? Like when you're, when you're training for a specific event, it may not ruin tomorrow because that overreaching may be what you're after or whatever it may be, but it should never ruin tomorrow, especially for a team sport athlete, because if they can't move, they can't practice. So I don't know if, being so rigid in any of these things is really the right answer anymore, right? Like it's, no, it's not like they can just come in like, and everybody's got party hats and kazoos and we're just throwing confetti everywhere, right? Like this is what we're doing. Like come talk to me if there's an issue, but yeah, like it's just like, the strength and conditioning part is the easy part. It's dealing with the human beings that is the real art form in what you guys do. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, like, we have, we have two rules in our program, right, in, in, in Richmond basketball. So this is some, some top secret stuff right here. Rule number one is be a good teammate. Rule number two is don't be an asshole. Like, if a kid's having a bad day, a kid's beat up, a kid's really sore, and you're making them squat – X, Y, or Z, because that's what the program says. You're not following the rules. Like you're just being a jerk, man. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's, I don't know. I, I you know, and, and credit Brett for a lot of this. He's done great work um, bringing all this to light. But like at the end of the day, are we really, is it really all of these relationships and all this, that, and the other thing? Or is it just like common sense, being a good person, not being a jerk? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe because I've been here so long, I'm able to look at it a little differently. You know, uh, maybe because 
there's kind of a little bit of a comfort to being here that long that I can look at it a little differently. But at the end of all of it, like I just look at the situation we're in and I'm just like, I don't think that all those other things matter as much as what they do on the court or what they do at practice or what they do in the pool. So if I'm sitting here and all we talk about is everything we do has to enhance what they're able to do up there, why am I ever going to put kids in situations where we're going to retract from it? And then why would I not, ever want to know exactly that that's happening right like if we're in a situation where we can go left or right and right could you know put somebody you know in you know fear of stairs for three to six days because of an awful practice they had already like why would i add to that why wouldn't i back away and like we did friday like just do some stretching stuff and let's see how we come back monday you know like It'd be great if, you know, swim meets started with a squat rack, but they don't. <laughs> uh, Going to take a turn here. Uh, talk about CVASP. Why you started it, uh, what it is, how, uh, how, how people can become part of it, um, the, strength net, the strength network, all that good stuff. I mean, I think, I think, and I think you probably started it the same reason we started Athlete Hackers, trying to put out, trying to have good people on, put out good information so people can, and I'm going to steal this, I think, do better for others, be better for others, do better. I don't, I forget, I forget what you always say, but. <laughs> yeah, but well, yeah, actually it got started because, um, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. Um, so in 2009, 10, 11-ish, um, there wasn't a basketball symposium. And I was like, yo, this would be great. We need to do this. So before there were spam laws, I Googled every major division one program and started emailing all the strength coaches, like, would you be interested in this? Funny enough, Charles Stevenson was already doing it. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> Hey, you know what? Funny you should bring that up because I'm doing, I'm putting this together and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you want to help? And Reverse spamming. Yeah. I was like, sure. Was he, I, was he I at did. NC State then? Come again? Was he at NC State then? Yes, sir. The first one was at NC State. It was a great event. And, uh, you know, he's like, do you want to help? And I was like, sure. And I did absolutely nothing to help him. But it was um, that Charles has built something that's absolutely fantastic. And you know, we sit there and I come back and I got ripped by my director because we had our event, which was basically like some local guys and, you know, some buddies coming down just to pay a bar tab or whatever, you know, like this, the old day, like stupid strength coach uh, conference, right? You know, I mean, like we all were part of them back in the day. It's like, this was so great. This was so impressive. Da -da 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 -da. Our sucks. Um, I was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> um, so then I put together the first CVASP, which ended up being set up for two and a half days. Um, 
Martin Rooney was going to come down and give like the whole Parisi speed school method, like the whole thing. I mean, this was when like elite was at its prime and it was like Bondarchuk and Yesis were coming and like all sorts of people. And I sold like six seats uh, up until like three days or three weeks before and I had to cancel it. So after I stopped crying, I took a step back and um, kind of reevaluated what we were doing. And then the next year uh, we put together CVASPs and what it basically turned into was who were the people that I wanted to learn from, you know, obviously doc needed to be involved uh, and Atoli needed to be involved. Um, but it, it was no, it was no coincidence that Ethan Reeve was the first person to ever speak at CVASPs. Like that wasn't a coincidence. Like that was like the strength coach at that time that people were talking about him and Cal, you know, that were like, these are the people you need to learn from. And it's like, there's a reason they were the first two people to speak, you know, I mean, that's just it. And, you know, it's talking about building on the back of giants. I mean, like the, what, what Ethan has done for our, you know, little corner of the world of sport. I mean, it's, it's immeasurable, you know, and it's, it turned it from that um, and it grew a bit. We used to be in this little room in the Robin Center that was, it might be the only room in the entire state of Virginia that in a building with air conditioning that doesn't get air conditioning. And we put like 50 massive humans in there. It was like, it was a gigantic sauna. It was awful. Um, my bad. Um, but we ended up moving across campus uh, and it kept growing and it turned then from me asking the people that I wanted to learn from to asking them who they thought we should learn from. And it just kept growing and growing. And uh, yeah, now Uncle Bob what's, Alejo. What's this, what's this stand for? Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. Uh, but most people just call it CVASPs because uh, it's more fun to say than all those other words. But it's, uh, you know, now Bob likes to term it as the 200-person uh, roundtable of barbecue, um, which really it is. It's, uh, it's a really fun thing. You know, we've got those podcasts that we put out that we try to do more of. Um, every time I talk about this, I talk about how I'm trying to do better on social media, and I still am not. So... I'm trying to do better on social media when it comes to contributing more things there. Um, Where can people find that? It's all at CVASPS, Charlie, Victor, Apple, Sam, Peter, Sam. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's led to a lot of great conversations like this and it's, it's really, you know, it, it, it's, it's starting to evolve and turn into something more too than just, you know, a podcast and, and this, it, it's more of, you know, people like to call these things like, you're, you know, like your tribe or whatever. I don't know if I would go that far. I think that first of all, I think that word's kind of outdated, but it's more like of a community of coaches that, you know, it's just, there, there's no ceiling boundaries anything there's no restrictions there's no uh the whole idea of like the caste system of coaching where you know 
directors don't talk with GAs or whatever, and people chasing the logo on the shirt. Like, it, it's not that. It's it's just, you know, like last year it was Chris McCormick and I at a whiteboard and a bunch of GAs from Liberty. And it's like, who who cares? You know, like, I don't care if you work in the private sector or you work in, you know, high major division one or the NBA or the EPL, like it doesn't matter. Like people are just there to, to get better and to talk and to figure things out. And it's, um, it's a lot of fun and it's something that's been really neat to build. Um, but it's been way more than me building it. It's, it's been a lot of other people, um, being as involved with it as, they can be, you know, where it's just people sitting around talking and sharing and trying new things. You know, FreeVasp was really cool. I think that's a direction we'll start going with these shorter presentations um, and more time for discussion between the two people. But I don't want to lose the science, the, the in-depthness, you know, you you can't bring a Hank Krishenhoff or a Hawk and Anderson into America for a 20 minute presentation. You know, like if I told Natalia, I'm going to fly you over from Rome to give a 20 minute talk, she'd be like, huh? You know, like, so there's going to need to still be some of that, right? You know, Charlie's talk in 2019 could not have been 20 minutes, but it could not have been any better. Right. Like, it was one of the best talks you've ever had. And so now it's like finding that balance of information and discussion um, and how we can kind of, you know, reel in both lines at the same time. I loved, I loved free VASP this year, but I, uh, my first time at CVASP was last year or two years ago. And I definitely would not want to miss out on that because for strength coaches, we've all been to the conference and seminars where everybody's puffing out their puffing out their chest and the younger strength coaches are looking at looking at your left chest to see what school your what logo is on your chest and they're not going to talk to you if you don't have the right logo. But some of the older strength coaches are bad with that. And I think what you and uh, Coach Stevenson have done with uh, the seminars and symposiums is that you've put it into a comfortable situation where individuals are willing to talk with one another. Um, you know, I think I told you um, at 2019, it was uh, Cam, Fergus, Coach Cav and myself talking to the wee hours of the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was a no holds barred conversation. It, 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 Coach Cav and I were talking, and I looked over my shoulder, and uh, Cam and uh, Fergus were going at it. And I was like, "I think we might need to go over there, yeah, to calm things down a little bit." Um, but but it's okay to have those 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 types of discussions in our profession, and to understand that to to get our profession better, we need to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, without without being disrespectful, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think um, you know I appreciate what you have done and what you're doing for our profession, and and Thanks, and man. how and how you're taking care of your athletes. 
Um, and I think uh, as if you're if you're a strength coach and you, and you do not know what Jay's doing or don't follow Jay or or see Vass or or you know reach out to him. I I I reached out to you blindly and and you picked up the phone and we talked. Um, and, and we've built a relationship, hopefully a friendship. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, how can somebody get in touch with you? Like, uh, you know, most people are like email, but I'm going to tell you right now, I suck at replying to emails. Um, you're good. You're good at text messages. Yeah, but I'm not going to put my number <laughs> out there for everybody. Uh, but no, and, I'm, like, and I'm not going to give it out. Yeah, hit me, hit me a message on Instagram or Twitter. It's probably the best way, at C-V-A-S-P-S. Um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. You know, More often than not, those are the ones that get replied back to first. Um, can people find your podcasts uh, using those same letters? Yeah, I think it's C-VASPs on all of them, um, on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and I don't know. There's like a trillion of them now. It's uh, but yeah, it, it it's been a, a fun little journey building all this stuff and uh, and going that way. Um, and it's it's exciting to see how far you know this field has come in the last ten years. And I'm actually more excited to see how far we can keep going and where this ends out going in the next 10 because it's um it's 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 an area where there's a lot of really good people that are really trying to do a lot of good things uh you guys doing this is doing nothing but helping us all keep pushing forward so appreciate the time to me guys appreciate you having me on i appreciate all you're doing Thank oh you. no we we got one more question uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. where where is jay DeMeo going to be in one year three years five years and the wonderful 10-year mark <laughs> hopefully not talking to your dog yeah, yeah the internet clean version please yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> oh man one year three years five years ten years what like from today's actual date uh however you want, however you want to look at it well, hopefully, let's just say this year, hopefully we play. Yeah. So hopefully this year uh, I'm on the bench, high-fiving and smacking butts and putting uh, a stool out. Um, Winning an Atlantic 10 championship. Well, you put that out there. Yeah, I don't know, man. Rob Hornet's got a squad out there in St. Louis. So uh, let's, just say, let's just say we'll be playing well. And the guys are healthy. Um, everything else will take care of itself. You know, there's a couple of teams. You know, Dayton's unbelievable. BCU's going to be good as always. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. I mean, like, UMass has got some really good young kids. So, you know, we'll, we'll see with all that. Rhode Island, obviously, is always good. Um, but, yeah, you know, that in three years. That'll put you 20 years at Richmond. Pretty wild to think of it like that. <laughs> um, but I got some special guys that are in this sophomore class. Uh, one in particular that if I was still here, I'd be really happy to still be coaching them. Um, 
to be honest, I don't know where else I would be right now. You know, people ask all the time, it's like, well, you know, what's, what's your next step? It's like, I don't know, you know? Um, a lot of those things would probably be more CVASPs oriented, like actually like write some things myself by then actually start um, narrowing things down and being more active on social media and doing what I set up and gonna do for the last 10 years. Um, taking that box. Five years from now is 2025. Man, I don't know. I mean, that's We're talking coaching 23 years at the same spot. Again, like it's never heard of. Um, but Richmond's a cool town, man. Like I don't, I think the hard part with coaching, right? is I, I would say five years with what we've rebuilt with this class of guys, I would hope we're still in the same spot. I hope we're still at the same level. I hope we're still having the same type of kid that not only competes at the highest level and, you know, can go and beat a Wisconsin and, you know, is excited to have the opportunity to go play at Kentucky and Cincinnati. Um, you know, having those like type of kids so that we can continue to grow as a program and continue to move forward um, is what I would hope. Um, in 10 years, I hope I'm still walking, man. My body hurts. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, like I, I hope I'm still in one piece in 10 years. 10 years puts me at 51 years old. Um, it's not that bad no I know I'll tell you now 51's not bad you know I hope at 51 I can actually turn around in 10 years I hope I can turn around and I've had enough coaches that I've been able to impact in some way that like I can turn around and say that all this was worth it you know I hope that in 10 years like that's when the Seabasp stuff really pays off because like for anyone listening, if you think you're going to make money off of running a clinic or a symposium or whatever, yeah, good freaking luck. Um, <laughs> enjoy that. Like, yeah, it's just like a dog chasing its tail. Yeah. You bite it, but it sure hurts. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not what it's there for. And 10 years, I think that would be it, you know, being able to take a step back and say that all that was worth it, all that has left its mark, all that has impacted a lot of people that have gone on to do really, really good things, and and that I can still walk. Like those would be the the two. Awesome. So yeah. I think, and and I just want the young coaches that are listening to hear this. You notice that Jay didn't say anything about another job. So, so if you're in a place where you can, they, they allow you the ability and the opportunity to grow professionally and you can put down roots and you can really stay in one place for a, a long period of time, that's really important. I mean, it's really important. Um, not only, not only for you personally, but, but, uh, and professionally, but more for you to have a good quality of life. You know, which which a lot of a lot of a lot of the young coaches don't understand because they're they're jumping from job to job to job to job, 
trying to get to a place that might not really exist. No doubt. If all you're doing is chasing a t-shirt, you're going to be running around a long time. Yep. You know, and it's, I, I think that it's, the other thing that's really important to bring up, and I started talking about some of the teams, you know, based on the, the team that we have, but like the other thing that I'm really lucky to be part of is we've got a lot of really, really awesome coaches in the A-10. You know, like, you know, right now you look, if we just go through, I mean, just first people off the top of my head, right, or just Chase Campbell uh, up at Rhode Island. You know, we talked about Roos. You know, it's like there's not road trips. You know, like Casey at Dayton, like there's not road trips. And I said Rob already at, at St. Louis. You know, there's not road trips that I go on where it's not like can't wait to get to the game to go say what's up, you know. I mean, it's like – VCU Richmond is one of the biggest rivalries in the country, but before the game, Bruce and I sit there on the bench and are just laughing our asses off, right? Like, it's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, being happy where you're at and being complacent where you're at are two different things. Um, you know, I would never tell a coach to turn their phone off or never listen to an opportunity, but I think that you got to understand that there are some things that, you know, money can't buy. And if you're in a good spot, listen, man, every spot's got its ups and downs and lefts and rights, right? There's a, we've talked about this before. There's a yin to every yang to everything in the universe. Mm -hmm. But if you can get to a spot where you can do your thing, you got good kids to work with, you enjoy more than you don't, and you're supported enough to be able to get done what you need, you know, just know that, like, there's a lot of jobs out there that it ain't like that, you know? There's a lot of strength coaches that are doing class checks. There's a lot of strength coaches that are doing breakfast checks. There's a lot of strength coaches that are, at some places, doing dobo things and uh, study hall checks and things of that nature, right? Like, that whether that is or isn't what we should do is up for another debate, but you've got to understand that like, just because you've got a high major job coming that might be paying a lot of money, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great job. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Jay, I'd like to thank you for your time coming on today. Yeah. Um, everybody who's listening, check Jay out at uh, CVASPS. Uh, you said Instagram, think Twitter you're on? Yes, sir. Check us out at athletehackers.com if you want to come on the show or if you have questions, info at athletehackers.com is our, is our email. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Thanks for listening today, Mr. Spellman. Jay, I cannot thank you enough, once again, not only for what you have done, but what you continue to do to make our profession better and to continue to challenge me to be better for the people that I work with and for your friendship. So, thank appreciate you. it, Mark. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. And, uh, I'm glad you reached out to have me on. This is great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Peace from me. Have a great weekend. Enjoy, everybody. All my best. God bless. See ya.